Let us pray. Living God, with joy we celebrate the presence of your risen word. Enliven our hearts by your Holy Spirit so that we may hear your good news this morning. Amen. I'd like to begin this sermonette by saying that I do not consider myself a preacher in any way, shape, or form, and although I do not have the expertise that either Alan or Annie has for, from uh, years of seminary, I will still attempt to give a shot at it, and I'm humbled to be doing so. And so on the note of being humbled, I'm going to start by sharing an experience that is humbling that I've had. It was in the summer of 2017, a mission group comprised of me and fellow members such as Meg Johnson, Amy Bishop, Jackson and Eliza Warner, Alan Dyer, and Nat Scott, just to name a few, went to Montagna de Luz, an orphanage dedicated to caring for children with AIDS in Honduras. Over the course of the week that we had spent in Montagna de Luz, we painted rooms, set up fences and serpentine wire, spoke Spanish and played soccer with the kids, and ate a variety of authentic Honduran foods after working on our different tasks that we had set out in the day. Throughout the trip, I had plenty of time to contemplate and truly be present in the moment of serving. It made me think and reflect of all the things that I'm thankful for and I should be thankful for. And I thought of just all the things in my life that I worry over that are truly insignificant in comparison to the lives of the people that I'd met in Honduras. While the work was very meaningful and I did take a lot from the mission trip, looking back on it, I realized that there was no particular one moment that stood out to me as super earth-shattering, or there was never a moment that changed me dramatically right then and there. Don't get me wrong, I was changed and impacted from the trip, but the feeling that I'm trying to describe is the subtle feeling and the sense of being humble. I finally found this word to describe the sense or state of being humble, and I found that, that, that this word is humility. In today's reading, Jesus shows us his humility by washing his disciples' feet. I originally thought that the story of Jesus washing feet was like Jonah and the whale, the Christmas story, Adam and Eve, and David and Goliath, and that just, it's just one of those Bible stories that everyone knows is considered to be one of the more iconic Bible stories from hearing it told in church and in Sunday school all the time. After reading the passage over for the first time in a very long time before making this sermonette, I realized how little I knew about this story. I thought the story was just another example of Christ's character and how we should act by helping others and that, that we read about all the time in the gospel, seen in instances such as healing the sick, feeding the hungry, and giving to the poor. I'm not wrong in this partial interpretation, but there's just so much more to this story than I had originally thought. In the opening verses of this passage, there's some biblical foreshadowing, and it states, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to his Father, Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. This opener is alluding and it's foreshadowing to Jesus' most humble act of all, his ultimate sacrifice of dying on the cross. And this had reminded me of the many similarities there are between Jesus' washing feet and the washing away of our sins on the cross. When Jesus starts his feet-washing ceremony amongst his disciples, he begins by coming to his disciple Simon Peter to wash his feet, but Peter says no and just flat out rejects him. Peter does this because he just doesn't think he's worthy or good enough for Jesus to even wash his own feet. But Peter eventually realizes that by accepting Jesus' act of humility and letting Jesus wash his feet, he's accepting and embracing Jesus. In this story, I think we can all relate to Peter. 
It might be in situations where we're just too stubborn to act out of humility and be humble, or in instances where we just reject or shoot down an act of humbleness from a family or friend or loved one, whether we even realize it or not. Today's liturgy shows us that we are, in fact, deserving of Christ, even when we think we aren't, and that his grace, seen through acts of humility, is the greatest gift given to us. So go forth and let it be known that you've been shown humility and given the, the gift of grace. So pay that gift forward, even when it seems most difficult. Be thankful, give grace, and most of all, be humble. Good morning. I am Amy Bishop, and I am so glad that our youth group particularly picked this scripture for this Sunday. I, I point, this points out that Jesus in his last week called his disciples together for a Passover supper. And because of his love for them, he illustrated this by washing their feet with his bare hands. And he says, if you love one another, you should do what I have also done unto you. Peter at first refused to have Jesus wash his feet, but Jesus told him that unless I have washed your feet, you, have, you will have no part of me. Peter responds to Jesus by asking him to wash his whole body. Jesus answers him by saying, Peter, if you had a bath, then you are clean. Peter doesn't realize or understand what Jesus is saying, but Jesus assures him that someday he will. What means a lot to me is the last sentence of this gospel lesson. No servant is greater than his master. I learned that on the work to trip to Honduras, Nat improvised with us that humility was what we needed to have in order to minister to the teenagers at our camp. We witnessed the poverty and unfortunate circumstances with the families there, but we were submissive to them. We all grew into one family while we were there. Another blessing I have received from the Honduras trip was the hands-on I had with the young children there. It has given me a strong desire to work with children after college. Many of you know that in 2013, I have, my sister Mackenzie and I lost our parents. This time was and still is hard for me. I have overcome a lot over the last six years, and I'm grateful for very appreciative of the loving support that the, parent, the pastors have given me, Bob, Troy, Jan, Alan, Nat, and now Annie. I have also been surrounded by the support and care of my church. Frida has allowed me to help in the nursery, and I feel blessed by the friendships I have made with our church children. I have learned to be a servant of the Lord by pre uh, participating in SSPC youth group which included the cross-mission trip as well as the trip to Honduras, also Sunday school and music with Rhonda. I have participated as a mentor to the special needs children through the Penguin Project for the past three years again, growing in my love for children and seeing that God is setting a new journey for me as a high school comes to a close. My grandfather told me about a gospel lesson in Acts 9, 1 through 6. This gospel is about Saul's persecution of the early Christians and how he was converted on the road to Damascus. It was so powerful for him to that he changed his name to Paul. He helped me realize that the path to following Jesus is the only way. Life's journey is not complete without God's love and grace. 
Thank you again, St. Simon's Presbyterian, for the generous amount of love and support you continue to share with me. Where do you serve? Is it the first Monday of every month at Manor House, or is it not really a scheduled commitment, but rather sporadic acts of kindness around our community? Maybe it's not a grand gesture at all, but maybe it's a small deed you do unknowingly. The first thing I think about upon reading this story is the concept of servant leadership and where I find myself serving God through my actions. I find myself serving God in a little camp tucked away in the mountains called Camp High Harbor. I've attended this camp for nine summers now, and each summer I grow more and more in my faith. But last summer, I got the opportunity to do something pretty spectacular. I was asked to be the counselor for a leadership cabin in which the campers' ages ranged from 14 to 15. And the year before, I was a counselor for nine 10-year-olds, so this was truly a step up. In the beginning, the girls were constantly dwelling on and obsessing over drama. We, of course, have to forgive them and cut them some slack because they are teenage girls like myself. <laughs> and they also loved to take too long getting ready in the morning and other aspects of being angsty, adolescent, 14, and 15-year-old girls. The girls clicked up with each other almost immediately, and I could already see there were some left out. This is hard to watch as a counselor being on the outside because I'm sure it wasn't intentional, but at the same time I knew something had to change. We did numerous team bonding activities throughout our two weeks together and also did some incredible things like rafting trips, sunrise skiing, and hiking, but none of these things would have been nearly as incredible as they were without God there. I saw him through these kids as they bonded, laughed, and cried together. I saw my campers weep at the end of the week because of all their new friends and new memories that they will hold on to forever. No matter where these kids came from or, where they've, or what they've done at home, none of that mattered. They shared a deep love for each other and an even deeper love for God. Having the campers run devotion both morning and night made them mature and grow together in their faith. It reminded me of how Jesus taught his disciples to pass on and share God's love with one another. At this point in their lives, a lot of them admitted to questioning their faith when things get hard. Sharing my devotion, as well as my fellow counselors sharing their devotions, oh, wait, sorry, <laughs> showed them that they were not alone and how things can be tough, but they're even tougher without God. To me, this relates back to our scripture because we are showing them that we are all burdened by our own issues, but Jesus is here and he'll wash your feet no matter how dirty they are. We did service projects, which taught them the importance of leading by serving, similarly to how Jesus led the foot washing. I saw them give back their love for camp during these projects, even if they were just picking up trash or blowing leaves. We have this one song at camp, and it's called Give It Away. And we sing it at night program, and the lyrics are as follows. As we live, moving side by side, may we learn to give, learn to sacrifice, because love isn't love until you give it away. Of course, the song sounds a lot better with music and someone with a good voice, not me. But I still think that there's a lot of meaning in this, specifically in the line that says, love isn't love until you give it away. Jesus gave his life away out of love for each and every one of us. Jesus calls us to give our love away. We must all remain mindful of this calling because it is just so easy to let our own lives dominate our thoughts, activities, and concerns. We are asked by him to do more and to take action. 
We are so fortunate to belong to a church that reaches out into the community with support and love for our neighbors in Glen County and even much further than that. As a child that grew up in this church, I want to thank you for helping shape me and my beliefs by your actions of love for others. I will take this call and desire to serve others with me through the next chapters of my life. And although I do not know what God has planned for me as I leave this community, I know wherever I go, I will be called to serve. And I'll leave you all with John 13, verse 14. And, it's, and it says, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Thank you. A big part of our faith is about service to others. Service through scouting was where I had my first examples of kindness and humility for others as my leaders, who were just teenagers, did the work that they didn't have to do, but wanted to, to help others in the troop and in the community. Growing up in the church, there are some stories that we all hear about kindness. One of those is the washing of the feet. When I had to reread the story, with Jesus washing the disciples' feet, I immediately turned to my children's Bible. It's always short and sweet, while capturing the meaning of the events in a way we can easily understand. As many say, it's often good to have the faith of a child. In the story, Peter had to feel a bit awkward in the moment. Jesus, his Lord, who he and the disciples had been following and seen perform miracles, was kneeling in front of him. He must have felt a little embarrassed and uncomfortable with somebody he respected so much preparing to wash his feet. So Peter said, no, please do not wash my feet. That had to take a lot of guts, especially since most of the disciples had already had their feet washed. I imagine they were sitting there just looking at each other like this guy. So Jesus put it frankly that he wasn't going to follow him to the kingdom without having his feet washed. At which point he relented and wanted his entire body washed. I'm sure that brought up a few chuckles or groans from the rest seated around him. But we can picture Jesus calmly explaining as a teacher and Lord what needed to happen. Just his feet. And then he had his feet washed. In my children's Bible, right after washing the feet, Jesus says this, I am your Lord and teacher. If I can be kind and help you, then you can be kind and help each other. It seems strange now that Peter didn't want Jesus to wash his feet. Yes, he was trying to be better than people, maybe, or he was nervous. But until we have someone that we respect wash our feet and show us kindness, we, we don't know how we would react either. This overly simplified version of the story might be just what we needed to hear. It's what I needed. No matter what role in society you have, what job, what class, be kind and help somebody. It's the act of paying it forward straight from the top that allowed the disciples to understand this message. If I can be kind and help you, then you can be kind and help each other. For me, I was able to see the leaders I respected most help me with acts of kindness through scouting. Pastor Allen, Nat, Miss Jan, and the whole congregation helped me through the process. We can relate to this in different ways. It's not a great idea to start washing people's feet. That wouldn't go over too well. But as a church family, we symbolically wash feet every day, whether it's a new communion class or a baptism or a random act of kindness, you're carrying on the message of this passage. When we stop trying to control things and be the best and accept help is when we become closer to the Lord and can pass on that help and kindness.
just be kind. In closing, I would like to remember Miss Fleming, a member of our church family and my head of school, someone who lived a life of faith and service and will be the best example of kindness that I will ever know. Amen.